I'm in Max, Max, Max. You are listening to Happy Jack's RPG Podcast. I'm in Max, 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 Pursuing the RPG hobby with reckless abandon. Why, hello, and welcome to season 26, episode 13 of Happy Chicks RPG Podcast. My name is Stu. My name is Stork. And I'm Clara. And we are recording this for posterity for the podcasters. And it's going to drive Kimmy batty, but I'm using the Glittering Night frame rather than using the proper frame, because I didn't notice I was in the wrong frame. But I'm not changing it now. Hi. In this episode of Happy Chicks RPG Podcast, Aaron from NorCal... That's Northern California. <clears throat> if you don't know the lingo, uh, sends us a conundrum about a throwaway NPC becoming important. Yuho? Is that Yuho? Yuho? Yeah. Okay. Yuho from Finland asks about his D&D bias, <clears throat> and Jimto send, sends us a non horror convention story. But first, if you'd like to email us, you can email us at happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. That's happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. We have a forum, happyjacksforum.com. That's happyjacksforum.com. We're on the social medias. Happyjacksrpg, all one word, on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, MeWe, happyjacksrpg, all one word. If you'd like to watch the show live, you can go to happyjacks.org slash live at 7.02 p.m. Pacific Daylight Time. Or standard time, if depending on the time of year. Um, and see the show live there, and you can see our faces. And that's happyjacks.org slash live. <clears throat> How's everyone doing? You know, I'm. turns out I'm kind of an introvert, so this whole time, uh, you know, sitting around its house is really something I don't mind. Really I, don't mind it at all. I, I it, it, this is remarkably like what I do all the time anyway. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I mostly just... I mostly just miss making music with other people. Yes. Which has been a fun and interesting challenge. <laughs> I really do miss performing. I mean, this is the one time a year, like two or three months out of the year, where we perform for thousands of people. And I miss that a lot. I didn't realize oh, how much yeah. I would. And I'm like, and it's not an ego thing. It's just I I enjoy entertaining people. And that, oh, yeah. And, that, and we work so hard to get to that point, And then it's like, oh. And... I mean, Need some I've been watching, uh, I've been watching uh, the, the Seth Odensky does this Actors Fund thing. He's raising money for the Actors Fund. And so all of these Broadway stars and uh, television stars come on and are talking about it. And every one of them is, has the exact same thing, which is, I'm stuck in my house and there's nothing I can do. I want to do stuff. I was in a show and it's got canceled. And usually you go to another show and there's no other show. And it's, we're in the same problem. It's like, well, okay, so fair isn't going on. I'll go do something else. No, there's there is nothing. no something else. No, there's nothing else. <laughs> Sucks. Yeah, it's been. Uh, I've I've played so much Five E since this all started. It's been like a month for me, and I went from like I'm never going to touch a Five E game again to I need human interaction, <laughs> and all of you guys are trapped at home. And Roll Twenty is very good for Five E. <laughs> Here we go. Yeah, it turns out I don't need yeah. human interaction. <laughs> I didn't think I did. <laughs> I'm I'm this is bliss. Um except for the you know the economy tanking and you know people getting sick and dying. But as far as being forced to stay at home, I wouldn't even notice if they no one had said anything to me. <laughs> that's that's kind of what I my my whole thing is too. I'm like, you know, this this is what I choose to do when I don't have anything, you know, and I'm not not working. So this is feels like you know what's interesting? I was thinking today, I'm like, usually when I'm on vacation, I feel guilty or worried about money or whatever. I'm like, oh, I should be doing something or I need to start planning or, you know, I can only afford this to, this to my time off. Well, I don't really have a choice. Right. None of us do. So now I'm just enjoying it. I'm like, what What can you do? So right. there's none of that like, all right, when we get back, I'm going to hit it hard. And well, it, no, it does feel like hiatus times a million. But now everyone else is also on hiatus with me. <clears> so like. I can message them and feel less guilty about it. Right. <laughs> All right. And that Victorian work ethic doesn't have to kick in because there is no work to go to. That. I gotta say, because I, I, I am still working, and the commute is amazing. I'll bet. <laughs> it's amazing. The uh, yeah. question is, what's the pants situation? I'm wearing. I'm wearing shorts. I'm wearing cargo shorts. Okay, so you're, I, you're, I you're still putting them on. I still, the I, yeah, I have, I'm, 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 I'm still working. Yeah. So, Stork, I don't stand up. 
<laughs> All right. Me? No. All right. Uh, a throwaway NPC becomes important from Aaron in NorCal. Hello, Jacker Wines of the finest vintage. I deliver to you a cautionary tale, neither horror nor delight. Always read your proper nouns out loud before a session begins. I'm volunteering as a DM for a D&D club for fourth graders. Those would be ten-year-olds. And recently ran Well, my- no. I mean, it could be a lot of our friends, too. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> yes. Well, he didn't say fourth grade, fourth grade senses of humor, people. No, but... I, I, I get, yes. Point taken. Uh, I recently ran myself straight into one of those precious moments of DM tomfoolery. The campaign in brief, a mischievous fey creature known as the Winter Prince, has sent his minions to punish a small town for their lack of appreciation. Think one part frozen, one part maleficent, one part pan's labyrinth, but for kids. The town has a hearty appreciation for the Spring Blossom Festival, and the Winter Prince is quite jealous. Part Part of this results in a strange snowstorm coming to town right as the season was supposed to change from winter to spring. <clears throat> a team of adventurers, quote-unquote, nine- and ten-year-olds are quite silly, encounter and turn a few of the icy minions to slushies. Uh, then they're approached by the town sheriff. The sheriff questions them, gets some idea of what's up, and tasks the group with the investigation of the strange winter and the ice bullies. He then makes... Uh, makes an offhand comment that the town guards have all been co-opted into service by the local duke, and that's why the PCs have to take on the investigation. So basically, he's just coming up with an, a reason why that the sheriff's asking them rather than his own guys, right? Right. Uh, all uh, all seems pretty straightforward so far. I've got a setup designed for the age group. Uh, the players are having a good time. There's some internal consistency, even though the kiddos are just there to be chaotic munchkins. <clears throat> Thus the ta- cautionary tale begins. Me, as the sheriff. Yeah, the duke uh, has taken all the town guards. Teacher friend. Wait, wait. What's the... There's a duke? Sheriff. Yeah, duke. Eisenberg. Uh, needed to supplement his troops for some for some reason. The whole table, plus the teacher. Oh my god. Duke Eisenberg. Cue the next 20 minutes of nine-year-old conspiracy theories, some of which were particularly good. (laughs) Um, Me, internal internal screaming intensifies. Oh, shit. Throwaway NPC name sounds like a plot hook. Damn. Uh, uh, stall. Deflect, obfuscate, qualify, quantify. Uh, So, yeah, I named a totally and, and completely incidental background NPC in a fashion that would draw the entire wattage of spotlight onto him, all because I never mentioned his name out loud to myself. Of course, now I absolutely have to include this Duke Eisenberg in some fashion, swinging him from left field into the plot. Um, I have a handful of ideas, but I only uh, have basically two or more hour sessions to get it done before this club's campaign closes for the next group of kiddos. Um, I'd be interested in hearing any avenues of advice from y'all. No worries, not time-sensitive. Thanks, as always. Love, Lovely to hear from y'all. Aaron from NorCal, Slowjack on the forum, sick on Discord. Sound familiar? But yeah, about NPC suddenly becoming the spotlight. Right, Jeez, dude, that's never happened to you. You have such bad luck with it. Even even your throwaway articles in newspapers become focuses of entire campaigns. I know. And I didn't. And, that, and it doesn't even have anything obvious like having a name like Eisenberg. Right. I, I remember Adam uh, Adam West when he was uh, DMing a game had uh, uh, Otto Graf as his German. Uh, and and not not saying it out loud, not thinking about it, just off the cuff, it was autograph, and all of a sudden autograph became like a, a major NBC because the name was so funny. <laughs> I feel like Adam is the most uh, the most guilty of that particular like folly of just having billions of NPCs that the players are like, yeah, that's ours now. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, that's true. He comes up with compelling NPCs, and they all become sort of central to the plot. I, I think it's a really common thing. We've joked about it many times, too, but, you know, that throwaway NPC, just because you were on the, off the cuff, had to come up with a name with a blacksmith. Oh, really? He's a blacksmith. Can he make swords? Oh, sh- okay. <laughs> and all of a sudden, you know, the... The, the stupid name, you know, Albert Thunderbumper, the one-armed blacksmith, has become, you know, a touchstone in the town for this for them every time they come back. Oh, yeah. And it was, you, you are all of a sudden like, I have no idea. All of a sudden, I've got to come up with an entire plot hook and backstory for this name I pulled out of a hat. Yeah. I, to be fair, I very... Uh, to be fair. Uh, I, uh, completely, I completely sympathize with just struggling with names. Oh, yeah. So, the fact that they pulled out Eisenberg. They were like, whatever, this works. It's fine. And they thought they were being like, maybe they thought they were just like, I picked a name that wasn't Kevin. Right. Like, <laughs> I appreciate. <laughs> but Eisenberg, I mean, yeah. Yeah. My and, and at that point now, you're, you're obligated to incorporate because, well, you know, it, you, you picked a Dickensian name. You picked a, a J.K. Rowling name. It's got to signify something, you know? And it's kind of a waste of, uh, of an opportunity if you don't incorporate this this NPC into your plot. I think it's a lot of it's going to be fun for them, and it's going to be fun for you. I mean, my, my advice off the, off the right off the bat is to do what Stu has, has said many times, which is listen very well to your players, and then pick the best one they've they've they come up with, and that's your plot. They did the work for you, and then they'll be satisfied with it. Like I knew it, I knew it. Ah, I was right, and right. they get the satisfaction of being right, even though. You just made it up right there. Well, you want to reward your... I mean, it's, it's a moral imperative that you have to make this character now central mm-hmm. to your plot. You, you really have to. And and the way... You, you have to... When the players become interested in something that you've thrown out there, regardless of what it is, you have to reward them with significance. Mm-hmm. So it needs to become... This guy, this Duke Eisenberg, in some way or another has to be central to this to this plot now maybe now maybe he's a tool because i mean you have the winter prince maybe the winter winter prince is fey right so maybe he's got some had some kind of bargain maybe he owes the duke owes him a debt so the reason that he pulled all the guards away is was was a machination that he was forced to do because of the because of the ice prince maybe he's a pawn who knows but he's got to be he's got to be integrated into the plot somehow at this point my Moral my orig- my original thought was he's actually uh, the Winter Prince's child. Oh, and, I would just went, he was he was the Winter Prince. Oh, that's true. I was going to make the Winter Prince's child, and he um he's a half he's a half fae, you know, perhaps like the changing child kind of thing. And the Winter Prince is actually here to take him back to the fae realm, and he doesn't want to go. Hmm. But that's actually, really good. We're dealing with nine to ten year olds, so it doesn't you don't want to get. Too creepy about well, how would the fame be created and what happened and you know then there's a lot of questions about where do baby Faye come from. <laughs> now, now the the chat room uh, Ed from Minnesota says we should they should flip it and and maybe he likes fire maybe Eisenberg is actually a fire mage like a secret fire mage or something. That's and then Eric Odd said that that you should just make the Duke he just really likes lettuce. <laughs> Eisenberg lettuce. <laughs> Which killed me. <laughs> All right. Or, or you could, you could do the my cousin Vinny, which is a Eisenberg. No, it's Essenberg with an E, so it's eating. It's not has nothing to do with ice. <laughs> I think that it's really like it's such a uh, like a gift when your players are like, here's the plot, and you can just be like, thank you. I don't need to do more work. But also, um, it reminds me very much of when people talk. Like television writers apparently have this problem now with their fans guessing plots before they can come out oh, sure. in shows. Sure. And it's like, I never really understood that mentality of like, why change it? Why make that, uh, why try to add a twist or anything? Like, people like feeling smart. They do. And they especially if you're them. 9 or 10 year olds, you really need to reward them. It's, it falls in line with being a fan of your players. And instead of blocking and frustrating them and saying, well, they guessed it, so I'm going to go sideways and, you know, that'll surprise them. Maybe they don't really want to be surprised. Maybe they give them the satisfaction of having figured it out, you know, or or at least acknowledge the fact that they that they really contributed to this storyline in, in such a magnificent way. And they and, and it really is. I mean, that that moment when they realize, oh, this thing that we all assumed was right is correct is extremely gratifying mm-hmm. to them. Mm hmm. 
especially for her nine and ten year olds, because now they're constantly not feeling smart all the time. And by having figured out the plot ahead of time, they're going to feel great. So I would pick one of the things, one of their conspiracy theories that they did, and run with it. You know. Anyway, that's my all right. Well, thank you, Aaron from NorCal. Now they're quoting. Now, now they're quoting uh, my cousin Vinny, which is one of the <laughs> one of the best movies ever. It, it really is. It really is. Can you imagine a deer? You're prancing along. You get thirsty. You spot a little brook. You can put your little doughnuts down to the cool, clear water, and bam! Somebody shoots you in the head. Now I ask you, would you care what the son of a bitch that shot you was wearing? <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you, Aaron from North Cal. Uh, D&D Bias from Yuho from Finland. Who would like to read this one? Oh, I can do it. All right. Hello, Jackers. I have a confessional to make. I have never played Dungeons & Dragons. I have only... Uh, and I have strong prejudices based on blog posts, podcasts, including yours, yeah. and some actual play videos. Lately, I started to listen to one actual play podcast where they play D&D in their own homebrew setting. I am now six hours in, and they have stolen food rations from a store and traveled to a street uh, where they are demanded money. I would say nothing notable has happened for the story. In the stealing episode, they rolled dice multiple times. Perception, stealth, agility checks. During the scene, in a very minutiae kind of way, I I moved to downstairs. Roll a stealth check. Pass. Guards move there. What do you do? Uh, I moved to upstairs. Roll a stealth check. Luckily, they didn't fail any of those checks, at least badly. Now, I look at role-playing sessions like a movie or a television series episode. You should concentrate on interesting events, hand-waving the rest. To keep the story going, you should resolve petty scenes quickly and concentrate on detail and interesting ones. Uh, Just like in a movie, we don't see everything the characters do unless it has meaning. Of course, this is also a way-to-play question as others prefer the other kind of play. Mm-hmm. My question is that, does D&D, as a system, gear players into playing like that? Can you resolve small scenes quickly? <clears throat> Can you roll once for the contest or, uh, or of stealing enough food for the travel? Can you roll once for a fight? Or is it against the style of D&D? Is it baked in the system that players find the fun in mundane food ration collection scene? I'm planning to participate in a D&D one-shot in the future, uh, at a future con to patch the hole in my education. I've already mentally readied myself to play a story <laughs> where this is a couple of checks and then the final battle for the whole four-hour slot. This sounds a little sour, but it is just my prejudices protecting me from a letdown. Please say that there is somewhere a D&D game where you don't spend your hours rolling if a guard spots you again and again. And whether you succeed in all three agility checks when maneuvering the store spending a good hour on a scene that doesn't really matter for the story. Please tell me this is only my bias and the role-playing world is, in reality, a better place. You hope from Finland. This is exactly what D&D is always like. Nope. It's in the rule yep. book. <laughs> <laughs> okay, wait. <laughs> Page one. Make them roll for everything, regardless of how dumb it is. Everything. <laughs> Over and over again, okay, too. Wait. Go ahead. I'm sorry. If you're playing, so I will admit that I followed a lot. I was super on board the fuck D and D train for a very long time, uh, for various reasons. And I hate saying it this way because it's the excuse everyone gave to me when I was like fuck D and D, and that is, it depends on the DM. If you have a shitty ass DM who's uh who is a dice Nazi and a rolling Nazi and is like, and asks you to roll that fucking much. A, they don't know what they're doing or B, they they don't have a compatible jamming style to what you are as a player. And if uh, I may stereotype happy Jack's players, I feel like we're like, we're all very interested, invested in telling a good story and, you need to find a GM. It's all about finding a DM that is also geared to playing, telling a good story and not uh, being anal retentive about their clickety-clackety like math rocks. That's so stupid. 
actually rules as written. You have to really stealth check every time you do something sneaky. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I know. I know. I, <clears throat> it's, the, to me, it seems... I've got it. <laughs> it seems to me that... So. That... GMs generally, and it has nothing to do with D&D, it has nothing to do with any system. It's a, a lot of times GMs make players roll for stuff repeatedly sometimes. as it's Sometimes it's a stalling tactic. And sometimes it's because they don't know what wh- how to narrate it and they want guidance from the dice. You know what I mean? I, I think a lot of times when people are rolling that much, this has nothing to do with the game. This has nothing to do with what system you're playing. But I think that there are GMs out there. I mean, I've, I've caught myself doing it where you ask people to roll something, and it's, and it's only because, well, it could go this way or that way, but I'm not really sure which. I could have just said, you know what? Someone flip a coin. I don't really care who it is. <laughs> and and I, a lot of times I think GMs kind of use that as a sort of a crutch, like a like a... A, a way to kind of point them in a direction when they're not sure what direction is the right direction. Well, yeah, it kind of it kind of boils down to that the GM wants to be fair, and they and they want to adjudicate correctly, so they want a randomizer to to be fair. That way, it's like you, you guys failed, you guys got caught. This is why, as opposed to saying uh, you guys get caught, because now all of a sudden, like, well, I didn't roll for it, or I know that. So they 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 the security of the dice allows random to happen without them being the ones that are the bad guys. Uh, yeah, that's true. It kind of insulates the GM from the blame of making bad things happen to the mm-hmm. players, because there are there are players that don't like it when bad things happen to their characters, I that's, suppose. That's, that's, that's what I've heard. I don't, think, I don't think any player really <laughs> likes it, but but it does it does re- remove the GM from the equation if something goes sideways in the game. And sometimes uh, GMs hope for something to go, you know, send them. they fail a stealth check, now all of a sudden something interesting can happen, but it's not on them it's on the dice. Yeah, we did. We had sort of a situation, not a situation, but it's like um, on Wednesday's game of Dying, uh, Dying Embers, which is sort of using the 5e system, uh, we had a lot of shitty-ass rolls. Um, I know nothing about that. <laughs> oh, God, yeah, no, you're perfect. Um, but we had all these shitty-ass rolls, and one of the things that worked out about that was uh, Jameson was like, okay, like, here you go, enjoy, like, this is what happens. And I think for, I think a lot of GMs need to be uh, not afraid of letting consequences happen, just like players need to be not afraid of letting consequences happen to them, because, like, shitty things will happen to you in D&D, and it, I, and it's, it's just going to, and if you have a GM who's just being antagonistic or not, or maybe they're not being antagonistic. They just think they just aren't think aren't a fan of their players. Um, you can like they, if you don't have one of those, you'll have, you'll have good stories happen. Does that make sense? <laughs> it does. Some of the blame though might be on ignorance. For example, I used to be, I used to jam like that when I was younger because you were slave to the rules. The rules, this is as written, and you would roll it, and it, and it is. It's safety. You just sort of, and especially if you're figuring out a game system, you don't want to just start shooting from the hip. You want to follow, you know, the combat as it's written out specifically, or it rules as written. So, um, I've lost my train of thought, but it was, it was, uh, if you don't know any better, that's what you default to. So, once you go to a con, or in this day and age, you start watching other people GM, you're like, oh my god, that's so completely different, or oh my god, that's a great idea, well, I can do that, and it really expands your mind about how you can run any any system, any game, in different ways, different things that people do, different solutions that different GMs have, which is why we always advocate going to a con, because you learn more from being in somebody else's game than you ever would running your own games over and over and over. Oh, sure, yeah, absolutely. And, and and I don't want to make a blanket statement, but I think there is a certain style of play. Some people love that. Roll the dice. You, you know, you beat the odds. You get your reward and move on. I, what's the tournament play that D&D does? It seems very uh, structured that way. I can't. Um, having I'm never played, I can, right only, I can only just, you know, sort of generalize over it. But it Adventures seems like... Adventures League? Yes. The Adventures League seems very much... Like, you roll your stealth check, you, you succeed, this is what you get, and, and right. you move on. Yeah. And and that's a certain style of play, and it's a, it's a choice, but it's not for everyone, and it's certainly not story-driven. Well, I think 
generally speaking, because the, 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 the chat room is, is kind of talking about making people roll too much right now. It, if you're gonna make someone roll, like it, okay, you're gonna sneak into some place to go steal something. Okay, I'm gonna ask you to make a stealth check. You make the stealth check. Okay, I'm gonna assume unless it's an ambush that I've already got planned or something like that, you're gonna get in, you're gonna get the thing, and you're gonna get out. One roll. Yeah. I'm not gonna. I mean, yeah. it to me, the only time I would make you make a second roll is if suddenly there's a your your plan to sneak in and get the thing and sneak back out suddenly there's a wrinkle in the plan okay now something something happened that you didn't anticipate happening so now you have to improvise and you have to do something else okay it's so now it's like oh i'm like standing behind the pedestal where i just took the the cursed idol and some dude just walked into the room i want to try to hide behind the idol i might make a second make you make a second stealth check for something like that maybe or if there's a different skill for hiding behind something i don't know or whatever but that's the only time i think i would i would require any kind of a second roll because the thing is when you make someone pick up the dice there's always the chance they're going to roll something really shitty right they're going to fail or they're going to critically fail or something bad's going to happen so you if you're going to make them pick up the dice especially someone like stork who rolls like shit you're gonna make them pick up the dice. You gotta make the successes they get count. You know what I mean? Don't just say, "Okay, yeah, now make five more stealth checks." It's like I'm gonna sneak up the stairs. Okay, make a stealth check for each stair. Fuck that. Unless there's guards everywhere, right. and you have yeah. to sneak by each guard, you gotta make. Here's here's the thing that that you pointed out too, and you picked it up from somewhere. Maybe it's one of these many GM books that we've read, and it's falling out of my head. But that's if a couple of a couple of points. If it's a if you're in combat or there's a lot of stuff going on then then you can do a lot of dice checks if it's an empty room say and they're looking for a secret door and they say we're gonna we're gonna spend time looking for the secret door don't have them roll just give it to them all right you guys spend enough time you maybe you roll the dice and say it took you five minutes and you guys found a secret door if however there's guards outside and they're going to come back into the room then you may have them make a, a, a roll to see if they find it in time because now it's kind of under, under duress kind of thing. right but it, it you if there, and especially if there's a plot point behind that secret door, and you're making them all roll to see if they see it, just give it to them. Same way as with yeah. perception. You know, if if you want them to find it, if you know, if they, if it's important that they know that there's a patrol coming over the hill, just tell them. You guys hear what might be a patrol coming over the hill because if they all fail their their roll, and you really wanted them to confront these guys, all of a sudden now you as a GM have just. <laughs> screwed up your story because you now have to draw back and punt because nobody made the dice roll. They, they, oh, I, I've seen that happen. I, when I was, I, it, it's happened to me when I made that mistake and you forget about it. I've seen other GMs do it multiple mm-hmm. times where it's like, okay, everyone make a, a perception roll. Everyone makes a perception roll. No one makes it. Okay, you guys walk like another ten feet. Now everyone make another perception make another roll. Perception roll. So <laughs> just tell them. It's just an ambush at that point, right? Or just tell somebody. You can also, on, on sort of the other end of it, um, I, I've had people batch roll for me over games. Like, you want to sneak in, grab the idol, get out. Okay, roll a d20 three times. And if something in that three, you know, or three d20, and if one of those is ridiculously bad, then you can say what step they get to before everything goes wrong. Or mm-hmm. if it's like, they just, you know... It just means if it's a side thing, because I think sometimes, especially with um, stealth missions, people believe that it increases the tension. No. But if it's just like a waste of time, not a waste of time, but if it's like, if it's literally just you try to get rations, roll three D20 and, you know, that's that determines what you get. Yeah, I mean, well, it. I think as far as the rations things go... That really depends on the kind of game you're running, I think. There are games where, and there are people who like games that have a lot of um, resource, uh, management. resource management, and it's like, oh no, we're going to keep track of how much fresh water we have, and how many rations we have, and we're going to go out hunting, and we, do we get a rabbit, and that's worth one ration, or do we get a goat, and that's worth five, you know what I mean? And there are people who like that kind of game. I'm not one of them. But I can see if you want to run a game where, where like, survival is so uncertain that even food and water security are are something that are questionable, I can, I can see having that kind of stuff in the game. But at some point, I think, 
when the, when as the game progresses and the players become more secure in what they have, at some point that's going to kind of go to the wayside, I think, and they're going to focus on something else. I would think at some point. I hope. It, yeah, again, it depends on it depends on your GM. So if you can streamline your resource management, it will add another level to the game of stress and, and terror and such. But it needs to not be a ten minute thing every game or every day. Oh, yeah, it needs to be a really quick thing about resourcing and and um and having played EQ back in the day when you when you ran you carried too much copper and you couldn't run and you would die because you were too heavy. You get, you know you get punished for resource management. It's it's rough. Yes. <laughs> what? Okay, in EverQuest. Way oh back in the day, when EverQuest first came out, if you carried too much stuff, you would get over-encumbered, and you couldn't run. And you'd slow and let me down. Tell you, running is important in EverQuest, because <laughs> things would just jump out at you and kill you without you even knowing, or even other players sometimes, depending on what server you're on. But <laughs> I remember occasionally, you, like, as a newbie, I'd be running around, i find a pile of copper. Oh, cool! i pick up the copper, and all of a sudden, I'm walking real slow, and then i get eaten by a goblin. I'm like, oh, that's why they left the copper. Oh, Okay. Okay. I, so, ugh, sorry, as someone who likes games for storytelling, unless I'm carrying a fucking door, I really <laughs> don't care what I'm carrying. Ever. <laughs> we did it for a while when I was younger. We would like, you know, we figured out how much gold away, and it it adds up really quick. You know, like a bag of gold weighs like twenty pounds, <laughs> and, oh, yeah. and you're, if you're carrying that around. You're like, mm, the fees. You, you know, you you go through half a dungeon and you're full already, and you got to leave. Yeah. Seriously, and it's a, it's a some thing. people might enjoy that. I will say, I do advocate for a lot for rolling sometimes because very recently, this is sort of non sequitur, but very recently I rolled real shitty. You would have been really proud, Stork. Uh, and I got proud. almost eaten alive by woodland creatures. Eaten so, by a brew? No, like rabbits. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know. That rabbit is dynamite! I'm getting called out Sometimes for. Sometimes you roll real bad. I'm getting called out for <laughs> mentioning goat hunting. It's a totally a thing. There's a place over here in Southern California where, for like 500 bucks, you can you bring your gun out and they t- give you a guide and you go out into the into the mountains and you go hunt goat. These, they're they're big like, bushy goat. They're not like they're a regular goats. Oh. Yeah, yeah, mountain I'm goats. Like a mountain goats a thing. Yeah. Go ahead. Mountain, a mountain goat's a thing. There's also goats on the savannah of Africa. There's wild goats. There's, it's a thing. I'm sure they exist. I just imagined a petting zoo, and I got very upset. Right, yes, with something chewing on their shirt sleeves, right. Yeah. <laughs> goats are creepy animals. Their they are. They are have, well, they have they Satan eyes. Everything, and they and some of them can scream and sound like a human. They're, or faint. reason... <laughs> Which is the best. <laughs> they're weird. They're very weird. They there's are. The they smell... There's a reason they're associated with the devil. Mm -hmm. That and they have Satan eyes, yeah. Have you ever seen their eyes? Their eyes aren't right. They have the weird shaped pupils. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're like horizontal. I fucking love them. They're they're, they're creepy. Uh, Convention story, but not horror from Jimto. Oh, thank you, UO from Finland. Yeah, I hope that helped. There is hope out there. Really, it's a GM issue and not a game system. Yeah, there's nothing in D&D that says that you have to slavishly follow every and fuck dialogue. every role yeah yeah that's i bet that gm would play uh <laughs> like an apocalypse world or a desert world game the same way right where everybody has to roll slavishly which is would be ridiculous but that sounds like his style i mean i was even thinking yeah. like in, in our vampire game we've had what five sessions six sessions now i yeah. think and at this we're at this point we're st- we're kind of hand-waving feeding yeah i mean we're not hand-waving it totally but it's like if your if your herd's around, you can go eat from your herd. If not, then we would do a real quick, like a single roll deal to see if you, you know, can. Otherwise, seduce well, otherwise, <clears throat> otherwise right. that in game that entire game will just be about making it through the night, finding a person, killing them, getting through the night. The next player goes, kills them, getting through right. the night, and then you're like, well, it's gone. You go back to bed. Now, That's one all of, that game would be right. Now, one of the things I want to add into the game. Maybe next session, the session after, is start going after the humors thing, where you have, mm-hmm. depending on what the 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 blood potency, not blood potency. No, this is this is the like if you go after someone who's in a particular mood or has a particular right. personality, you might get bonuses to certain certain um, disciplines, right? Because of the you know, because their blood is more choleric or whatever. Yeah, but I th- th- maybe it's. Vampire. Huh? 
I gotta play more vampire. Oh, this is this, this it, it's something they added to fifth edition, the, the new version. Okay. Yeah, they have this, okay. and you can let a random table. You can roll and see is, is the person depressed, or are they happy, or are they on drugs, or what? And you, you know, get like a plus one to certain things and you, depending yeah, on you what, can get a dice what mood they were in when you fed on them. Right, and then it lasts a certain amount of time, and then it goes away, and then you, it's just it's one it, more stat that you got to keep track of, and nobody's going to remember. Well, most of the time, that. most of the okay. time, not. But if someone, if you guys get in a situation, <laughs> it's like you know what? I really want to use my celerity, and I want right. I really need a bunch right. of bonuses for it. So I'm going to go out and I'm going to find someone who's on meth or whatever That's the thing true. is that would make you yeah. do that. And yep. then you get, start picking and choosing. It's like, no. And, and then it, then you get, then you're going to have players who are going to, who have herds who are going to start experimenting with it. It's like, well, let me see. I'm going to start giving some of my herd antidepressants and other members of my herd. I'm going to give them depressants so I can get the different, a nice mixture. <laughs> can you and see you're gonna spend <laughs> the entire night with that one player while he works all that out. And the other players are going to sit around and watch them. It's just going to complicate things. Like, but okay, we'll try it. It's like shock. That's why I use downtime mechanics. Right. <laughs> All right. Sorry. Convention story, um, but not horror from Jim Toe. Uh, it's your it? turn. Yeah. 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 Oh, I hate reading out loud. Well, if you don't want to, hey, I, I'll read it for you. But you should. I'm doing it now. Okay. Good. <laughs> hey, crew. So this past weekend, I attended GameCon and I learned two things. One, Benny's are not Savage Worlds is a fun game when run by a great GM. In this case, it was useless trivia, man. But I still maintain my official stance of fuck bennies. Learn to handle your dice the way they roll, chumps. And two, Shadow of the Demon Lord is a lot like D&D, except that it's fun to play. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Wow. Did it get dark in here? There's a lot of shade all of a sudden. (laughs) The real reason I'm writing you, though, is because I encountered a situation in the fiasco game I played on Friday night. Not necessarily a horror story, but it came with a lot of the same feelings. The fiasco game was set for five players. We also had five or six people written down as alternates. When I got to the table about five to seven minutes early, one of the alternates was already there just in case it had an opening. It turns out we didn't, and everyone showed up. But one of the other players asked how many people the GM could handle while the first alternate was standing there. The GM, while pretending the alternate was not standing there, replied, If I only... If I only facilitate, I can handle six players, but I really want to play. Cue about five seconds of silence, and the alternate walked off. I saw his face. He looked a combo of bummed and embarrassed. Two minutes later, another alternate comes walking up. In my head, I'm still going, did he really just say that? When this new alternate starts talking to the player on my right, who is apparently a good friend. The player on my right introduces his friend to the GM and asks if there's any way his friend can get in. Now, I fully realize the GM has already turned down one alternate, but in this case, he looks up, says hello, waves at the alternate standing, four feet, uh, four feet from him, then proceeds to very studiously look at the table and the printed out play, uh, play sets like he holds the keys to immortality. He does not answer the question. He does not look up. Eventually, this alternate gets embarrassed and says a quick goodbye to his friends and hot foots it out of the room. As you can imagine, the non-GM players are a bit flabbergasted and exchange looks. Afterwards, I felt like I should have said something, but I waver on the thought. Obviously, the number of players is up to the GM, and it's his game. But the idea of a con game is to run games for other people. Even now, four days later, I can't decide if I should have said something or not. All I know is for all I know for sure is that, at the very least, if you're not going to let people play your game, have the fucking spine to look them in the eye and say, "Sorry, we're full up. Maybe next time." That's have you guys ever run into something like this? <clears throat> for what it's worth. And I know you might find this hard to believe, but the GM was a selfish player as well. I played in his fiasco game two cons ago, but didn't recognize his name when signing up. He acted the same way then and now. On top of trying at, trying to take over any scene he was in, he also styled himself as quite the comedian, but his jokes only landed about 50% of the time. And if they landed at all, if they landed at all, he immediately ran it into the ground by either repeating it, and I mean literally repeating it word for word, or trying and failing to approve upon the joke. I'm feeling attacked here. (laughs) (laughs) Once it was successfully read into the ground and would never be funny again, he'd try to do callback jokes. But of course, it had long since stopped being funny and nobody laughed. Yeah, I'm definitely feeling attacked. (laughs) Part of me wants to think... uh, Part of me thinks he wanted to play so bad because none of his friends... 
uh, oh. the other friends I assume he has want to play fiasco with him anymore. But perhaps I assume too much. It is quite possible he has no friends and he games like that all the time. <laughs> In summation, fuck that guy. Yeah, yeah. That sucks. Jim too. All right. Oh. Yeah, okay. <laughs> fiasco, fiasco is a lot of fun. It's also kind of terrifying and scary, and and, and, th- and things go evil. They really do go evil. It's called Fiasco, not Happy Fun Times. But, but what? No, the chat room is saying, you're touching your face! Yeah. I'm, I'm but, home. Um, I'm home. That's why, that's why I have a beer in my hand, so I can't clean, touch my face. I've cleaned everything. I'm home. My house is disinfected. I can touch my face now. I don't um, do it outside, but I will do it here. <laughs> I'll let it touch my eye. My first thought is that uh, if you're there at a con to GM for people, it's not about you, the GM. It's about you playing for other people. I mean, it's almost like I'm on stage. I'm performing for other people. It's not about me. It's about that audience. It's about the people that show up at your table. And you should bend over backwards to make sure that you allow other players who want to play in this game that you're, you know, they're, they're excited to be in this game that you're running and you should facilitate that instead of, I want to play too. So no, I disagree. You, you disagree. I disagree. Okay. I, 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 I am, I'm, I'm famous for it. it no, not famous, but I, I am <laughs> notorious at game conventions for only allowing four players. And when someone else comes in, it's like, Nope, only four players, but you have six characters. That's so the four players that are here have a choice. I'm only running a game for four players. Cause the more players there are, the harder it is to share the spotlight. The less time I have to concentrate on each player and that, that character's motivation. So cap it at four. I can make a better game for four players than I can make for six. I'd rather I'd rather run a better game for a smaller group than a mediocre game that everyone is kind of like, yeah, it was all right for, you know, 50% more people. I disagree because I feel like if you really do want to play Fiasco that bad, sometimes the only way to do it is to run it. And if clearly you don't have anyone to play it with, sometimes you do it at a con. But you should have the spine to say... I'm capping it at five players. I want to play the last character and leave it at that. And if you're a shitty GM and everyone complains about you afterwards, you're never running at that convention again. I'm sorry. But really, it really, it's not about him t- turning the players away. I think it's more about the way he did it. You know, which yeah, is really, that's true. <laughs> really passive aggressive and really ignoring really confrontational. I've already said that I'm not allowing any more players. Why is this person standing in front of me? I'm going to ignore his existence. Right. I mean, what what Stu said, which is, I'm capping it at five, or what you said, I'm capping it at five, and what Stu said, which is, I only want to run for four people. I mean, that those are legitimate things. Staring at the character sheets and hoping the person goes away is not a, a grown up way to deal with <laughs> your what you the way you want to run a game. He said his piece and he's counted to ten. Right. Oh, yeah. Why are you still here? Yeah. Use your fucking words. Right. <laughs> Yeah, that's weird. It it's it makes it sorry. I, I, mean, I can't watch romantic comedies for the same reason. Like, I, I also I also get it that a lot of a lot of we gamers are introverts and we're not very good at confrontation and all of that. Not everybody, but many. And I get that. You know, it's a socially awkward situation. And but this, I, this is but, not socially awkward. But, this is. I'm sorry. I really can only. I don't have room for anyone place. I'm really sorry. Yeah, go. I know. (laughs) (laughs) And he did say it before. Like he already knew what words to say. You can repeat yourself. I, I'm thinking about like the second half in which he had a player who was like he turned out to just kind of be a selfish player. Like, yeah, that's that speaks to the quality of person, really. Yes. Yeah. That's that's a shame. That's a horror story, I think, because. All of a sudden, the entire play, uh, the entire game, and the players, so they're already committed. They're like, "Oh shit, we're already here." Now feel awkward for the entire game, and they're watching this GM who already has a black mark against him, and they're watching him play badly or play selfishly, and they're like, "This is just, <laughs> I can't, I can't get out of here fast enough." Yeah. How do you take over in Fiasco? Isn't it like two people at a time? I don't remember. Mm-hmm. Am I wrong? I feel like it's yes, it is. Like- Yes, it is. Yeah. It's a scene with two people interacting, and then they, they, they hop around. And you, you do it by probably not yes-handing, and you just you just block, and you talk, and you say it. And then when they say, no, no, and they go, no, 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 you're not going to do that. You're going to do this instead. Yeah, shout them down and shit like that probably. Yeah. 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 
Exactly. Yeah. It seems. Someone someone described when I the first time I played Fiasco, someone was like, "We're playing Fargo," and like I thought it was a misspeak, and they're like, "No, it's basically how you make Fargo." Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, or I any of those it. like heist gone wrong films. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so. It just gets worse. All right. Yeah, I think the mis- the first mistake was just playing Fiasco, but you know, Fiasco this, can be fun. This, this GM sound like a douchebag. Yeah, he does. <laughs> Yeah. So. Yeah, especially if you're running a game at a con, it's like, oh, but I want to play too. It's like, oh, come on, just that. That that yeah, to me I is feel- the the real douchey thing. I mean, it's like that. That would be like now it's fiasco. So I mean, some someone who's facilitating and playing at the same time is not a, at all unusual. It's not no. like it's not like the GM in a, in a regular role playing game saying, oh, I want to play a character while we're right because I want to play. I want my character to level up or something. And really, all, all facilitating is is sort of timekeeping and and calling an end to a scene. There's not a lot to it. It's not like you're really uh, rolling a bunch of dice and stuff. So, yeah. And right. I it's, feel like you go to a game con to play games that you don't get to play often or new yeah. games. So, I don't think it's a sin to want to play like play if it's if you can do that responsibly. The catch is clearly that they couldn't. So, I don't know. <laughs> I would play it. <laughs> I wouldn't. I hate Fiasco. Well... <laughs> Fiasco is fun, but it's not. I mean, it, it's fun in like watching a tragic movie, like you said, like a heist gone wrong. It's like, oh my god, I couldn't believe this movie, and I couldn't stop watching it. But it's not. I mean, it's it's stressful, and you're you're you know you're you're having exactly. improv, so there's a lot of sweating, and like, oh my god, what's going to go on? What's going to happen? I have no control. And but at the end of it, you're like, oh my god, that was great. It really is theater sports. If you've ever done any yeah. acting, it's about improv uh, exercises. It's theater sports. Yeah, in the in the worst way. Usually, most a lot of theater sports goes towards comedy, and fiasco is not that way. I suppose you can play it off that way, but it doesn't always go funny. Yeah, now I'm wondering if you can do like a the uh, tra- tragic theater sports sort of situation. If someone makes a fiasco uh, setting that is Watership Down, I would probably do it. Dead but bunnies? Like no. <laughs> sad bunnies. Yeah, that's, that's mm. the thing. Sad bunnies. Oh. Didn't someone make a hat? What do they? They call them. They call them playbooks. What do they call them? I forget mm-hmm. what they call them in Fiasco. There's a name for settings them. or playbooks or I think something. Settings. I think I someone made a Happy Jackson. Oh, did they really? Like, yeah. What? Oh, that's hysterical. Like, they were the first I've ever heard They're this. called play sets. Play sets or either right. that or someone was going to make one. I don't remember. I don't know if even. What would that entail? I have no idea. A lot of well, it, it was just a long time ago. So we've been a lot of drinking, enormous amount of drinking, arguing about semantics. Yeah, but that's um, not that's that's not baked into it. You would basically have these characters and situations, right? And the personality types, that, but it's all kind of randomized amongst you know. And yeah, I don't, know. Up with a, I don't know. Now I want to see this if it exists. Yeah. someone bring it forward. How come it's uh, the first time I've heard about this? I want one. Yeah, the one I played was um, a setting by my friend Noah Dudley, and it was it was a LA noir kind of situation, mm-hmm. and. We were all corrupt cops, so it went exactly as you expect. Right. I failed upward. I played one at Stu's house and with Molly, and Molly was so invested that she there were tears coming out of her eyes, and we were all, I mean, we were like, oh, my God. I mean, she was in. And I played one at the con once with Bill, and it, you literally, you like, you just have to commit. And at one point, I ended up murdering his character, who was slow intellectually disabled i suppose and and it was i mean it was awful but you commit to it you're like all right this is the scene this is where it's going right and you and then eventually they end the scene everybody's like oh my god that was awful you're like i know what was it supposed to do so i feel like fiasco takes so much trust it would be hard to play it at a con regardless it's it's necessarily trust you just it's just a game and you just do it but it is it is very much stressful because you actually don't know there's no randomizer you're just making decisions and and you're very much don't know what's going to happen and so if you're a control freak it it is not a your game at all because there is no there is no there is no through line there is no plot it's just what is happening right then and there in the moment yeah i know whatever it's you know, if you're trained as an actor, it's sort of a very uh, Meisner technique. And, uh, Wait, and is Fiasco Jason, Jason Morningstar? No. I don't know. 
I can't reach my computer uh, from here. Is it? I think. Yeah, I think morning. I think Morning Star is a company that makes it. You're talking about the publisher. Is it? I think that sounds. That makes all the sense. That sounds right. It is. Wait, hold on. Gotta answer phone. I have little arms. Does so, this make me extra bully, no, bully pulpit gamer games. nerdy if I was able to figure out the company? Bu- bully, bully pulpit. pulpit. Bully pulpit games. Okay. Because yeah, that makes a lot of sense. If, the way you just described it, I'm like. Oh wait, uh, Jason Morningstar. Is that the guy? That, yes. That's the guy that wrote it. Is it? I, I'm looking. I think so. His real name is Jason Morningstar. Yeah. Because well, I, yeah. I don't know. It could be a nom de plume. I don't know. Wasn't that wasn't that Lucifer's was Morningstar? Isn't that his? Thing like you know, wasn't yes? Is the it, devil? It is. It is. I, right? I, I didn't make that connection until you said it just now. Uh, and yes, it, I think it it is a Jason Morningstar game. It is. Which in your description of it, it being like no control, it's just choice. I'm like, yeah, okay, it's a Jason Morningstar game. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's nothing wrong with those. They're they're quite fun. It's just um, uh, a friend of mine is very into them, and they are very much these like experiences mm-hmm. so they, that's exactly what it is it, it, it is very much a theatrical improv moment and it only exists for that one moment you can tape it or whatever mm-hmm. but then it's gone and you all talk about it years later like you remember that time you remember that moment and a lot of really cool things happen because it is really intense and mm-hmm. um yeah it's but it, if you've ever been in an acting class or done any study not that i was ever really a serious actor but i took a bunch of classes th- this is very similar to a lot of the stuff they make you do in acting, it's just um, it's just not it's it's just not in a classroom setting. I suppose it's usually what? you with a lot of Role- beer in a in a hotel room. <laughs> what role play games require acting? I know. <clears throat> oh, Which guess to see how you brought it back around. Guess what? <laughs> Both of my kids now want to play D anD. D. Good. Wait, Good. Finally. Okay. So I told them this. I said this weekend. I got nothing to do except record a CD, and if I get the songs finished in time, I'm, I'm gonna I'm I'm in the I'm I'm doing some songwriting. Um, for, for yourself, you're writing, are you writing doing your own yeah, CD? Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, nice. yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't even want to say what it is, but yeah, yeah okay, it's, it, Happy Jack songs mostly, but it's some other stuff too. Um, but yeah, they they both want to play, and I told them I said except for the time that. Do you guys want a break? We can game. It'd be just like when I was in college. We'll start at nine o'clock in the morning and we'll game until we can't stay up any later. And we'll go to sleep. And the next morning we'll do the same thing. It'll be awesome. That's fucking awesome. They will get lots s- of pizza and soda pop. Totally sick of it. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> totally sick of it. Is that what you said? You're gonna you're gonna burn them out in, the, in one weekend so they never have to play game again. <laughs> I, I want them to get up to a high level so they realize, wow, D&D takes a long time for combats when it gets to a high level. And there's only like, two of us. Well, there's other games. Let me show you. <laughs> Look, here's Gertz. How I introduced you to Savage Worlds. Wait, hold on. Something from that last email. One other thing. What the fuck is wrong with Bennies? Bennies! I don't remember Bennies. what his problem was with Bennies. I don't remember... Well, it, it, it alludes to the fact that it's it's like your, your dice rolled shitty. Deal with it. You know? Right. Don't just spend a penny to re-roll. That's just you know you're just, you got to deal with the fact that be a grown up and man up and play the dice as they fall. Play you know play it where it lays. Okay, I I understand I'm a hypocrite because I am the queen of loving consequences, but um, let people have bennies. This is a fantasy. And well, that's the thing about Savage Worlds. It makes it much more pulpy. I mean, it really does lend itself to do, being the hero. You swing in on the chandelier. And how great is it if, if you know, you swing in on the chandelier and you don't make it? So, can I re-roll? I really want to enter this room in a dramatic, a much more dramatic fashion. Okay, cool. You know, that's really what it's it's built around, and that's what it's for. It's that, it's not about was, failures. It's about heroic, you know. And then when yeah. you run out, then you fail. Yeah. That was my one request. Jameson was like, what kind of things do you want to do in this game for 5e? And I was like, I want to cut a chandelier tie and swing on it. Yep. That, that's the one thing I want to do in this game. I don't care what the rest of, what happens for the rest of the game. That's all I want to do. Yep. The mechanics of that you can figure out later. I know. It's, it's, it's rough if you're Indiana Jones just can't swing in through the window on his whip, you know, if he hits the wall. Funny, yeah. but it's you know, it just kind of undermines the hugeness 
of your character. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, what 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 movie is that a quote from, uh, or a paraphrase quote from from chat room? Do you know? They might get it. They might not. I don't think. Tends to undermine the uh, 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 hugeness, hugeness of the object. <laughs> it's the three us. Hmm? Is this one of those times where you all make fun of me for being young? Uh, well, I mean, it's a movie from the 80s. You're a musician. You should know better. In a band. <laughs> you should know. And if you have, if you don't know, then you need to fix your education right there. I'm in a folk band, my friend. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. It all rings true. If you're in a folk band, they have, a, they have another kind of sequel that addresses that. Oh, dear God. Oh, yeah. A Mighty Wind. Uh-huh. Yeah, you've oh, seen okay, a mighty wind, okay, right? Okay. I, I haven't. I've only seen a mighty wind. Okay, you haven't seen Spinal Tap. Uh, oh shit! <laughs> okay, now I feel bad. <laughs> I don't think I've the problem was that the band was down. Tap. I think the problem may have been that there was a Stonehenge monument on stage that was in peril of being crushed, crushed. by dwarves. That tends to understate the uh, hugeness of the object. <laughs> Sorry. It, it's okay. one of my favorite movies. I probably could recite more Spinal Tap than I could Monty Python and yeah. the Holy Grail. Yeah, I have now it, been thoroughly embarrassed. On, most most musicians I know, anybody that's ever been in a band, really gets Spinal Tap. You know, and then if you're in a folk band, for sure, Mighty Wind totally rings true because you're like, oh my god, I, I listened to that album or something like that, or oh my god, the, <laughs> the new Main Street singers are exactly like the. <laughs> Uh, anyway, I, it's, I saw Mighty Wind. I have seen parts of Spinal Tap. I'm so sorry, everyone listening. <laughs> Spinal Tap the best story about uh, Mighty Wind for me because you guys went and saw it in the theater. I didn't. See Heather it and I went and saw it in the theater, and we were the only two. Well, no, there was like eight people in the theater. We were the only two laughing. Yeah, like laughing hysterically, yes. and people are looking over at you guys like, what the "Fuck's wrong with you?" It's like you got to be in a folk band. It's it's it, it's folk <laughs> musician humor, and it. It's, yep. Turns yep. out there's not it's, it's not that doesn't have that wide nope. of appeal. It's, it's a pretty nichey kind of thing. It is. How did it get made? Uh, it, 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 Christopher Guest it, just gets convinces people to make a movie with him and someone else to pay for it or someone pays for it. And speaking of fiasco, I mean it's loosely plotted out and some of the lines are written out, but a lot of it is just improv. So he oh, hires yeah. his improv friends and he turns the camera on and they go and then they cut it into a film. So there love you go. That. I fucking love that. <laughs> I want more of that. Yeah. All right. I guess I'm going to go watch Spinal Tap now. There you go. Yep. Also, suffer. Best in Show, if you haven't seen no. Best in Show. I've seen Best in Show. I've seen okay. A Mighty Wind. I just happened to miss the first one. The only one I don't get is Waiting for Guffman because I never did community theater. There you go. So I, I don't understand any of the jokes. I'm, I watched it. I'm like, the characters are kind of funny. But I, but no, I don't understand where 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 it, is it I'm supposed to laugh. I don't know. It's hysterical. If you've done summer stock or anything like that, it is. It's Never got any all of those thing. tropes. But, I get too uh, much secondhand embarrassment. Yeah, my daughter suffers from that greatly. She'll leave the middle of movies, and I'm like, "What's going on? I can't watch this." Yeah, that's a thing. <laughs> can't. That's a thing. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, thank you for joining us. Oh, let, I, I should play the music. Wait, where is it? <laughs> Thank you for joining us for season 26, episode 13 of Happy Jack's Refugee Podcast. My name is Stu. I'm Stork. I'm Clara. And we'll see you next week, Friday at 7 p.m. Pacific Time at happyjacks.org slash live. Join us then. And that's it. Thank you very much. And we'll leave you with a song. It's a hobby from Michigan to Australia and maybe East Timor. Be a dread
mind it wanders near and far of doom and fear where no one's spared but I am not the one who's scared I see he pass and I look away avoid mine eyes but here I stay the travelers of the street shall pay but soon will come the judgment day ah poor Tom I hear that maudlin cry poor mad Tom I'll lay me here and die I'll feast on rat and stone and bowl and show no modicum of self-control I'll wash my face with a lump of coal and let the worms feast on my soul I hear that once I was not mad of a wife and bairn that I once had it must have made me very glad I wonder if it was a lass or lad but the past it cares not a whit for me and likewise I care none for he there's nothing in this world I see that's more than garbage and debris ah poor Tom I hear that maudlin cry poor mad Tom I'll lay me here and die I'll feast on rat and stone and bowl and show no modicum of self-control. I'll wash my face with a lump of coal and let the worms feast on my soul. I fester here and await my doom in comfort in mine own fine room. Perhaps you'd like to join me soon and sleep beneath the bloody moon. And if this story makes no sense, take this word of recompense. For here I offer no pretense and certainly meant no offense. Ah, poor Tom, I hear that maudlin cry. Poor Mad Tom, I'll lay me here and die. I'll feast on rat and stone and bowl and show no modicum of self-control. I'll wash my face with a lump of coal and let the worms feast on my soul. I'll feast on rat and stone and bowl and show no modicum of self-control. I'll wash me face with a lump of coal and let the worms feast on my soul. The preceding program has been a presentation of the Angry Folk Media Empire. Bum, 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 bum.